This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Emergency podcast. We have an emergency pod. Sound the alarms. I'm here with Fonseca. Pat Lanny's got a wedding. He's the best man. Apparently, that's some more important than sounding off on what happened last night between Rutgers and Ohio State. Uh, and just to set the scene, you know, you're thinking, at least I was thinking, Rutgers is going to have a nice night here. They got the they got the Ray Guy Award. You know, Adam Corsack finally gets the nod he deserves you're like ah oh, things are going Rutgers' way oh and look they're come from behind big rally against ohio state on the road a place they've never won playing a great game overall uh just showing a lot of poise down the stretch and then i mean holy crap the last seven seconds of that game just the way it unfolded and there are like 16 things to talk about i, I mean let's just go through the whole thing one second we need to start with the decision to foul all right, so I didn't have a problem with it at all. You know, Steve Peichel, clearly you're up three, seven seconds left. I At the time, I'm like, he's got a foul here. They fouled there, right? I mean, what, what was going through your mind? Yeah, so to paint the picture on how I kind of cover these away games, it's very stressful having to write a, a gamer when it's a one-possession game, there's seconds left. I'm right. kind of watching a stream that's behind on my computer. I'm kind of looking at the stat broadcast. So I see Rutgers is up, you know, that three points with seven seconds left. I'm like, wow, they're they're going to pull this out. And uh, it's not to fast forward a bit, but as I'm writing, I'm checking the stat broadcast, and then it says Ohio State 67, Rutgers 66 with zero seconds left. I'm like, oh my god, how in the <laughs> world did they lose this game? I could not believe it. So you weren't up to you weren't up to date. I didn't watch You're... the end of it originally because I was on stat broadcast, and and then I That's looked amazing. over and I watched how it happened. And then That's, we're in the yeah. post-game press conference, and Aaron Brightman of the Scarlet Faithful, formerly of On the Banks, uh, he's like, guys, I think he stepped out of bounds. And me and Jerry Carino are kind of, you know, we were both writing gamers. And, right, and, right. Yeah, and, and we're trying to figure out what the heck happened. I watched the replay on, on Twitter, and uh, I saw the reaction, and it was a whole, 
And oh my we God. Were, yeah. Twitter was on fire. Yes. Holy cow. And we were going to ask a Pikele about it. And then he just brings it up himself in his opening statement. So obviously he saw it anyway. Right. That just kind of sets the scene of how I, <laughs> I watched okay. that. And I'm sure you were watching on TV, right? Yeah, I was absolutely. Yes. Yep. Okay. Watching live on TV. Yeah. So I was, uh, my, my thoughts on the, uh, decision to foul up three were finally, uh, Steve Peichel has been very yeah. hesitant to do that in the past. Right. He's a very old school. I'm going to let my guys defend the final possession. It's very interesting that the one he has the greatest three point defense in the country, literally the right. greatest three point defense in the country yeah. is when he decides to turn on that. That being said, I think it was the right decision. I agree with him that had Rutgers done its part and Caleb McConnell hits that second free throw. The absolute worst case scenario is they go to overtime and that's something you take a hundred times out of a hundred. I think Rutgers would have beat Ohio state in overtime. The only thing that you can kind of nitpick about the decision to foul, Mawat Mag did it a little too early. Ohio State hadn't passed midcourt yet. You probably could have shaved off a couple more seconds, but that's really, really, really grasping at straws. I thought right. it was, a, I thought it was a great decision. No problem there on my end. And it sounds like you agree, right? I do, yeah. And the one thing I, did, I will say this: the one thing I didn't notice of the thirty-seven things that happened in those seven seconds is that the clock did not immediately start when McConnell's shot hit. The rim. It started after the pass. <laughs> it's just one of these little things, but that half second, of course, would have. I mean, they wouldn't have gotten the shot off down the floor. I mean, just one more thing that happened. Anyway, yes. My question to that is: if the ball touches the rim, is that when the clock's supposed to start, or when someone touches the ball? The, the clock was late because the clock didn't start until after he passed the ball. But I'm curious. I, th I think it's after the after rebounder. he touches the ball. Right. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So there was probably he didn't touch it till after the pass. Point there was only a tenth of a second went off the clock between Ohio State getting the ball to the ne to the next guy and the I mean it's, it it just wasn't enough time that came off the clock. That's maybe it's a half second. Maybe you think it's, it's two tenths of a second. So when we talk about home court advantage in the Big Ten, a lot of people That's think about the crowd yeah. and everything. This yeah. home cooking it matters. It it, it makes a difference. And right. if you think something like that would not happen at the rack in Rutgers' favor, you're either. Ignoring it on purpose, or you're 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 not sure because yes. things like this happen all the time, all over college basketball. Yeah. Not to say it's right, right but this is I, I'm I wasn't totally surprised to see that. Right. All right. So let's uh, we're give we're both giving Pykele a pass on that. So now the next thing that happens, of course, is he dribbles up the court. Was he out of bounds? And I, I will say this: like while you're while you're trying to catch up as to what happened, I was going full Zabruder film, like frame by frame. This is like everyone, every Rutgers fan must have done this. So I, as I'm going frame by frame to see if I could find an angle and like blow it up, like I'm trying to think of the movie, another movie I haven't seen, but older Rutgers fans with the movie High Anxiety, where they keep on blowing up, blowing up the pictures until. You know, they proved that Thorndike was not the murderer. I'm like, God, that's a that is a dated cultural reference, people. Please tweet at me if you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so I'm doing the same thing with this, just blowing up this kid's foot on the line. And you can't tell until someone later in the game came up with another clip where you look at it, and I mean to, to borrow an NFL term, I don't think that would be overturned based on that video evidence. Like, did you think he stepped out of bounds? I, I don't, I don't know that if he did, it was by a millimeter. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to, uh, I, I couldn't find that video anywhere other than uh, our friends at the night report. I, they somehow found that video from slam. I couldn't find it anywhere else. Great. Right. Great investigation from them to find that clip. I agree with you. That is a tremendous way to put it because it was like, the tip of the right side of his shoe barely, maybe, maybe, maybe. possibly could yeah. have potentially touched 
the sideline. You could have made that call. You could have called them out if the ref had seen it. But you certainly, if you looked at that video, it'd be like, I, I don't know, right? Well, also the fact that we had to enhance, 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 zoom in ten thousand percent from multiple angles to see if he maybe went out of bounds. I would be think it's fair to say that Roger Ayers, as close as he was to the play, it would be pretty hard to see that in real time when everything's right. happening to notice yes. if he went out of bounds or not. It's not like <laughs> totally. the kid took four feet out of bounds. Like, and he could have just as easily called a foul on McConnell there. That is the other argument that I would make is yes, the, the, that those things are negated because that yeah, was a don't foul. complain about you don't complain about stepping out of bounds because you know that was very close to being and of course it would have been a, a better situation had McConnell actually been called for the foul because they couldn't have won the game and but uh, all right if they do so, call the foul then everyone's gonna say but he stepped out of bounds it would have been a whole right. debacle another just way. to hold the buckle another way but right what they wouldn't know is that it would have led to maybe the most heart wrenching loss since Iowa found some extra space on the backboard and hit that game winner at the right. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. This, I think this is worse. All right. So what happens next? Uh, and this is like, this is when Twitter, uh, this Twitter camp came after me in a, in a real way, because I was so busy as a filming the, the stepping out of bounds that I really didn't look at the fact that who hit the shot again. What's the kid's name? Uh, Tanner Holden. That Holden was out of bounds before he got the pass. And this is when Jay Billis jumped in and then, you know, clearly was out of bounds. Um, is that a call? And this is my question. Is that a call that you're going to get? And I put this on Twitter and people for blue. If it's a call, if it's a rule, it's a rule. And I get that. It's a rule. It's a rule. I understand it's a rule. But like, have you ever seen a, a shot overturned on something like that? Like in, in a, I was trying to think of an instance. I'm sure it's happened, but watch a lot of college basketball. I could not remember one. Uh, in a situation where that happened. So Chris Mack, who coached Xavier in Louisville, who has seen and watched and thought about college basketball more than you and Our I have in 10 lifetimes. Of course, yes. Says that that happens dozens of times in games and refs call it maybe one time out of 10. Right. It's, I like, it's, like a three, it's like the three point. It's like the, a three second violation, right? That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. Like, I don't remember the last time I saw it. I tweeted that and people were coming at me like it happened to Moat Mag earlier this season. It happens all the time. Suddenly this is, uh, it happens in it every happens all the time. Game. I have not seen it happen all the time. I mean, maybe I just don't notice. It's very possible. I, I'm oblivious. I, I don't know. I have never seen it. I have never seen a game winning shot overturned because of that. Now, maybe it's never as blatant as that because the guy was, I mean, he was, it was very blatant. Right. Yes. He, he was almost in the crowd at that point. Right. It, now, I will say to expect a referee, one, to see that in the middle of all of that, and two, to have the stones to call that on a game winning shot in a home arena. After, I mean, th- th- that would be. That <laughs> would take something. Yeah. It would take something. Like, um, it, it would be like, imagine the roles were reversed and it was at the rack and the referee did call. I think the student section would storm the court and I'll drive the referee into the ground. I cannot imagine. Absolutely. That's yeah. It's great. Uh, and also the and- fact that we're, we're diving into the rule book, section nine, article B, right. you know, like, like it's the constitution and we're trying to <laughs> decipher yeah, law. I would- I went one fo- I went one step further into the rule book so, and, and, it, and I found like, I guess if the momentum takes you out of bounds, this is some guy tweeted this and I, so I retweeted it just as like, you know, uh, what about just, I'm just curious what people think. And it turns out the guy I retweeted is like a big anti-vaxxer and people like amplify his opinions. And I'm like, I didn't know his anti-vaxxer. I just thought it was an interesting discussion about the rules. So the if momentum takes you out of bounds. It's, 
it's okay. But like, what, what, how do you make that? It's just one of those things. Like his momentum took him out of bounds because he was running toward the out of bounds. That's <laughs> just crazy. Anyway, clearly right. out of bounds yes. violation. Absolutely. We, we agree on that. Right. If, if they call that everyone would understand that it is a violation. I think people would just be more, you know, you know how, like when there's a second left in the game, referees don't usually call fouls. Like, hundred feet right. from the basket, yes. like it's a foul, but you just don't do it because it's. I just don't think you overturn right. a game-winning shot on that. Um, yeah, you never call a foul in that situation unless you're Seton Hall in the national championship game in 1989. I'll get some emails about that. Yes, very rarely is a game at that at that point decided on a foul. Correct. Yes. And look, does it stink? It absolutely stinks. I I can only yes. imagine the sinking feeling in in Steve Peichel's stomach, and you saw Paul Mulcahy. Fall to the court. You saw Caleb. Oh my McConnell. gosh, Caleb McConnell. There, yeah, gut gut wrenching. Absolutely. You feel awful for Caleb just because he's in his home state. He had so much family there, and he right. he had the game, the opportunity there in his hands. And he I, hit hit first ten. What is it? First ten free throws of the season. He missed that one. I mean, that's that's rough. Yeah, there's no question. You had you had your first win in Columbus. There, you came back from an eleven point deficit in the first half. You clamped two down and zero in the Big key. Ten. You're two and zero in the Big Ten for the yeah. first time ever in a season yeah. with fans in the stands. You legitimately put yourself in position to compete for the big 10 title entering January. I mean, right. all of these things were right there and to have them taken away with that is just, that must've been the quietest, just most agonizing airplane ride back home. I cannot imagine. Right. I will say this. I did. And I, and it's, it's amazing. Like short term, this, this did nothing to hurt the Scarlet Knights. I mean, they moved up four spots in the net. I saw that there's 27th in the net. They proved they can win on the road. They proved that beating Indiana, you know, just be, it was certainly it was no fluke. They're good. I don't think this is like I'm not worried about this team at all. In fact, if anything, I come out of that game feeling better about the team than I did before. I mean, really, I thought Spencer had a good game. I was a little, I was a little questionable. I felt like we talked about in the pod a couple of days ago. A little worried about his ability to get the shot. He, I thought he was good. The Mokehi was good. Kayla McConnell was great. You know, you look at all these things and they got beat on the boards in the first half a little bit. You know, there, was, there wasn't a perfect performance by any stretch, but resilient. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think, I, I think they came out of this one just fine. I will push back on a couple of things. I agree with you on most things. They didn't prove they can win on the road because they didn't win on the road. I, I saw some people who take, right. not a, they, okay. they all right, fair. You're, uh, they, they you're proved- a stickler. You're a stickler for details. Yeah, when when Rutgers is a game back and for, for the lead in the Big Ten, we're gonna go to the we're, league and say, we're, hey. as, as we're prying on those, we're you're pouring over the the NCAA tournament resume, and they go, oh god, they're only two and nine on the road. And be like, oh shoot, that's gonna be the one, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, they didn't prove they can win on the road. They proved that they can compete on the road, which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Had they won this game, amazingly, they would have been three of they would have won three of their last five Big Ten road games, which is yeah, an incredible statistic. They were, I think, before that. I had the number down before I had to delete it from my running gamer. Uh, prior to the last five... Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe a place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. 
Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. Road games, they were 8-37 and 37 in Big wow, Ten Road games geez. under Steve Peichel, and they were about to win three of their next five. So, I mean, it's just, again, brutal to, to, to lose that. Um, I thought Caleb was fine. I thought he was a lot better offensively the last two games before this. Um, I, I don't think he was particularly efficient. I agree with Cam. Cam had a great game. And Caleb had an opportunity to seal the game in the last minute, lost in that shuffle. Cam Spencer drives off a screen, yeah. dumps a great bounce pass to him. Ball just goes right through his hands. I don't know if Caleb would have hit the shot, but he certainly could have gotten fouled as he went up. He was in just great mm-hmm. position and just lets Good it point. slip. Um, I thought Rutgers did not play very well offensively. I mean, they hit three of their first five threes, and then they went – two of 13 or two of 11 in the last 13. They missed all five threes they took in the second half. Andre Hyatt had a great look for a dagger three at the end. Yeah. Which I mean, again, why he was open. I guess great look. He has to take that shot, but yeah, like this, if he makes that shot, it's a great job. You know, I I have no problem with that shot. And they shot, you know, five of eight on free throws. They didn't get to the free throw line enough and they didn't make the free throws enough when they got there. Um, I thought Paul Mulcahy, maybe he didn't see Cam Spencer on that last throw in when he gave it to Caleb Mm -hmm. McConnell. Cam was open and Cam's almost automatic from the free throw line. And again, Caleb had hit nine of nine on the season before that. So it's hard to argue, give it to Caleb too. Uh, but just these little things add up. I will say the net going up is because Rutgers was very, not very, was decently efficient defensively against the third best offense in the country. Like yeah. after Zed Key went off in that first half, they really clambered down on him and had a pretty good second half. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think... This one, I'm interested to see the reaction on Sunday against Seton Hall. Is this going to be a team that comes out with its hair on fire and just d- takes all of its frustration out on Seton yeah. Hall? Or does this linger? Does this become a, you know, take them a first five, 10 minutes to kind of get over the funk of we could have had that win before, you know? Right. That's a great point. Yeah. And then Seton Hall's kind of, I mean, Seton Hall's not good, or at least they haven't looked good. I mean, they were playing someone. It's never a good thing when you're, up by a couple of points on an opponent and I look at the score line and I have to go, I have to Google the opponent. <laughs> See Lincoln, Lincoln, Pennsylvania. I had no, like, all right, apparently they're a division two school. Uh, Langston Hughes went there. I learned from my Google search, not that that's important to what happened. They eventually blew them out, but again, yeah. Uh, a team, they, they, a game, they really should win. Really, I don't have to win, but kind of have to win. Um, to, to complete their, to get the, the important non-conference win. I think they will come out hair on fire. I think the rack, uh, I think people, people be crazy. That place is going to be angry. And I've seen the rack. I love, there's like different moods of the rack. Like it's a building with a personality. And sometimes it's, you know, it, the anticipate the anticipation of it. And people are just, they're waiting to explode. And there have been times in that building where people are just angry. And this is going to be one of those times. I think you're going to, you're going to feel that vibe from the moment you walk in there. Uh, the refs are going to hear it. It won't, I, I mean, I don't know what refs are going to have. It would it be big 10 refs for this game. I guess. Who do we have? Yeah, I would assume so. But yeah. also the referee that didn't call it Roger Ayers was from the ACC. So but, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what he was doing there. Uh, I don't know. How do you get there? That's interesting. But yes, um, also yeah. interesting. It was his 28th game in 35 days. So this guy's working. Right? Yes. This yeah. guy is working uh, around right. the clock, which is maybe why he was probably taking a quick nap before uh, the, that last play. Um, it's a broader issue. The officiating is is bad. And I know it's college officiating. You could spend 
hours talking about it being bad, but it's bad. I mean, it's noticeably bad. I, I don't know. I mean, the Indiana game, it was bad in Rutgers' favor. There was a foul late in that game by Paul Mulcahy that was, wasn't was called. Though he just literally, I mean, just basically, you know, grabbed the arm of the Indiana guy. I mean, it's just, there's, there are things you're seeing in these games. You're like, how did they miss that call? Um, do you agree? Yeah, it's funny that Rutgers fans didn't complain about the officiating against Indiana. Um, I mean, Paul Mulcahy almost right. traced Jackson Davis. Right, that's Davis. what, yeah. Um, but it was an important play. I could have changed that game. Yeah, absolutely. But at, that, that was at a point where Indiana was starting to make a late comeback. Um, and then I think Rutgers goes up the floor and scores again. So, but yeah. anyway, it, it is what it is. I don't see any Ohio state fans complaining about the officiating in this game. It's just kind of the way the sport works. Uh, yeah. Boborowski retiring apparently did not solve all the ills. of college Didn't solve all the problems. Who knew? Maybe, yeah. maybe it's not just him. Maybe, uh, I dare say he was one of the better referees in, in the conference. I really, I, I do think people have a little too much hate for him. I think he was just too um, – he had Teddy Valentine syndrome where his face was too recognizable. Anyway, right. officiating is bad. I would hate to be a referee. I could see why there's so much problems getting referees. You know, the, the youth numbers, the referee numbers are down uh, across the country. Uh, less people want to do it because it sucks. It is a thankless job. Why would anyone want to be a referee is always my question. Um, so I'm not surprised. But what's the solution? I, I have no idea. Uh, and I think uh, uh, yeah. college referees have sucked for a long time and they're going to keep sucking and just part of the sport. It's part of the charm. Yes, part of the charm. I guess that's one way of putting it. Um, all right. Are we going to hear from the Big Ten? Was, this is this what happens now. Does Rutgers have to send that game? Do they send a note to the Big Ten and say, hey, you got to say something? Or is this going to be one of these situations where it just kind of goes away? So I reached out to the Big Ten through multiple avenues. I have not heard back as of uh, 11 o'clock Friday morning. Uh, I would not suspect to hear anything, and if we do, it would not be until you know maybe a five o'clock Friday news dump. I could definitely see that, um, but I, I don't think the Big Ten is really has a tendency to you know reply publicly or comment publicly about these things. Uh, maybe if it was a foul call, a judgment call, uh, I, that would might be something that they would comment. Uh, but this, I'm not entirely sure they'll publicly say anything. Uh, the Rutgers could and will complain to the league. They have a mechanism where teams mm-hmm. can discuss with the league through some avenue about uh, potential calls and games. They do it after every game. Every team does um, because every team has a gripe after every game because no official is perfect, et cetera. Uh, so I'm sure Rutgers will bring this up. I'm sure um, the next league game in the league game at the rack will, you know, there'll be a couple of fouls going Rutgers way. That's just the way these things kind of seem to even out. Um, but yes, I, I would be surprised if the big 10 said anything. I, I mean, you could tell me, I don't think there's really much to gain for them to say anything other than just laying this kind of. Well, I mean, I do wonder long-term and someone asked on Twitter if, if all right, is this, I get it. It's not going it, to, it's not going to be reversed, but will the NCAA tournament committee remember this one? And my first reaction was, well, there are 360 teams. They all play 30 games. I mean, no, no one, the committee is not thinking about one random Thursday night in this early December here with all the other data they've got to compile. But if the league does come out and say, all right, yeah, this one, we missed this one. Does that make a difference? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think so, but. I don't know. I, mean, I don't sit on those meetings. I I mean, fans always talk about, will they remember uh, the games that Rutgers was down players? I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many no. times I've heard if Rutgers yeah. was at full strength, they would be eight. No, before Thursday night. Right. We, they, they if Woody had gone directly to the police, this would never have happened. Anyway, another they also don't consider, cultural reference. 
Yeah, that that went, went over my head. I'm not even going to bother so. making you feel old. Um, Thank you. Rutgers uh, fans, and this is not exclusive to Rutgers. I don't mean to pick on Rutgers fans because all fans do this, but I cover Rutgers, obviously, so I noticed this. They noticed that Rutgers lost when they didn't have Caleb McConnell or Paul Mulcahy. I didn't see anybody really downplaying the Indiana win because they didn't have their five-star freshman Jalen Hood-Shafino. I didn't see anybody really downplaying this Ohio State game because they were down a starter. Yeah, you know? it's true. Yep, so it happens. It's college basketball. If the committee were going to spend every going pouring through every game, who was missing who, which referee calls missed what, the NCAA tournament wouldn't happen until next November. So, I here's my my uh, solution for Rutgers: win enough games in the Big Ten that it doesn't matter. Um, hit your free throws so that it doesn't matter. Shoot slightly better on threes so it doesn't matter. And don't put a game. It's easier said than done, obviously, but don't put a game in the referee's hands in the last second. And look, right. yeah. I think if you, all things considered, if you gave Rutgers that scenario where Ohio State is taking a desperation three at the buzzer to win the game from a guy who had not scored all night, yeah, I think you just, take that. Sometimes, what are you going to do? Yeah, sometimes yeah, of the course. ball goes in. Sometimes Ron Harper hits a game-winning half-court shot from mid-court. You know, sometimes college basketball happens, and you would have signed for it. You absolutely would have signed for it. Thirty-foot off balance. What can you say? He hit a great shot. It's just. Yeah, it's just one of those moments in the sport. College yeah. basketball is so great when it's good to you, and then when it's not, all of a sudden right. the world is against you, right? It it's part of the sport. It's part of what makes it magical, and these moments are what make the good moments that much sweeter. So, yes, I would and say to your broader point, there should be more. There should be plenty more good moments for this team. I would think so. I was very impressed with how they played, uh, where they played against who they played. I think that. Um, you know, I was, I'm as always, I'm skeptical when they play these cupcake teams in the beginning of the season. I always say to wait and get sample size against mm-hmm. good teams. I would say in their last three games, Rutgers has really impressed me. And I would be surprised if they're not in the NCAA tournament. And I can certainly see them finishing top four in the Big Ten because, I mean, they've, they've shown the potential, the ability, the talent to do that. Right. And, and that's really the bigger point that matters. I know it's hard to forget about it now, but uh, in, in a month, uh, hopefully workers will make you forget about it. All right. That's all yeah, I got on the basketball. Here's yeah. how they can in a month, Tell me. January yep. 15th, Ohio state comes to the rack. Oh, that's going to be angry rack. That's going to be might, angry. They might, <laughs> that, that's going to be maybe, I mean, last year's Ohio state game was an unbelievable environment. This might be the best rack environment we've ever seen. Cause people are going right. to be frothing at the mouth at that game. Yeah. Last, last year's Ohio state game might was one of the most impressive victories I had seen by a Rutgers team. That was the that was the game they were down with ten points with like four minutes to go. I mean that was just incredible, right? Am I thinking eight, of the right one? It was eight points with four minutes left, and then Geo Baker turned the clock back and had a vintage closing right. performance. Yeah. Blocked that yeah. shot, and they blocked the shot, and the buzzer sounds, and you can't hear the buzzer end the game because the crowd is That's so right. loud. That's right. Dude, it, that was it amazing, was un- unbelievable, and I think it'll be uh, similar. And I guess to the broader point too, like I think Rutgers, Indiana is probably the biggest rivalry for basketball in the big 10 since they've joined Ohio state. They're starting to get a little, you know, there's this, there was the miles Johnson game three years ago in Columbus. There's uh, right. that finished last year at the rack. Maybe, you know, these games are getting really exciting. Maybe there's uh, something boiling there too. So, uh, this is also the fun part about Rutgers getting good at basketball is that you of course. Get kind of, uh, yes. series, you know, like th- these are the things that build rivalries and that make people remember and make these games so much more exciting. Yes. That is, the fact that this is a thing is great. Absolutely. Good, good point. Uh, all right. That's all I got. You got anything else? Yeah. I'm fired up for Sunday. It should be an awesome game. 
Uh, I have a fun story that I think people will like tomorrow morning. A little Ooh, teaser for you guys. Teaser. Tease me. Um, what do you I talk, So uh, Steve Peichel has never lost to Seton Hall at the rack. Okay. Uh, he's won two games. Uh, there's kind of a through line there in that the first game, uh, 2017, his first signature win, the first court storm of the rack era, of the Steve right. Peichel era, I should say. I talked to the hero from that game, and he gave me some awesome insight, not only on what happened that game, but the night before that I don't think has ever been told. And I'm very excited oh. to kind of uh, dish that. Um, who, gosh, who was the hero of that game? I'm going to have to think long and hard about this now. Hmm. You know, who's, remember. The, who's the first major star of uh, the Steve Peichel era? He did not oh. recruit him. Corey Sanders. Corey Sanders. Oh, wow. You got Corey Sanders. Where is he now? Is he in like Greece? He's in Poland. He's in Poland. Poland. <laughs> He's in Poland. Very his, good. His, 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 we were talking a bit before the interview about his winding journey. Uh, we discussed uh, Portugal. He played in Portugal for a year. He uh, he loved Porto, which is a beautiful city. I agree with him. Um, mm-hmm. He actually won a title there and was on the cover of a newspaper that I still have. Very very cool. Anyway, he played in Portugal. He played in Poland. He went to Greece. Uh, this started this year. He went to Israel, and then he said he didn't like the basketball, so he went back to Poland. Uh, he was in the Dominican Republic this summer for a summer league. Uh, wow. Guy's been uh, traveling everywhere, and uh, he was very uh, very insightful about his about his Rutgers past, and he um, he was very thankful to the fans and very had great memories. So. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to. I still have to write the story, but I'm looking forward to uh, getting that up Saturday morning. And I think I really do think Rutgers fans are gonna enjoy the blast from the past. Excellent, something to look forward to. All right, you go, you go right. Oh, I gotta watch Brazil lose to Croatia first. But once I do that, I'll. Uh, okay, I'll that's we we no more soccer talk for at least a week. All right. Uh, that's our emergency podcast. Thanks for listening uh, for Fonseca. We miss you, Lanny. Hope you're having a, a good wedding. And we'll be back uh, after some real, for more basketball to uh, to talk soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.